hundreds of you uh, gave questions and upvoted, and, and I had a whole lot of fun uh, this week going through every single one of those questions. And you guys put me to work, by the way, because typically I have my messages planned out weeks and weeks in advance, and I'm sitting here on Wednesday night going, what am I going to talk about this weekend, and letting you guys decide. Well, after we tallied all these up, we're going to do this for the next three weeks, after we tallied all of those up, the number one thing that came in actually really surprised me at first, and then it didn't surprise me the more I thought about it. And the number one thing that everyone wanted to talk about are end time events. Like, are we living in the last days? What is going on in our world? What does the Bible have to say about end time events? So everybody, buckle up, hold on to your hats and glasses, because we are about to go through a whole lot of scripture and look at a whole lot of what the Bible has to say in a, in a eschatological crash course. Eschatology is the study of last days. It comes from a uh, Greek word. Uh, eschatos, which means last days or last times. So I'm going to give you just a real quick eschatological crash course in the next 30 minutes on what the Bible has to say about end times. You guys ready to hold on? You guys ready? So let's take a lot of notes so you can do your homework and, and get into this on your own. But we're going to dive right in because we got a lot to cover. You guys ready? If you ready, say ready. ready. All right, let's do it. God, we uh, pray. Thank you. We pray that right now as we get into your word, that God, your word would get into us and you would use it to mold and to shape us, God, to change us, that God, we would, we would see you in these moments that we have. And God, I pray as we look at this, God, we wouldn't just um, stand in awe of what is about to happen uh, on the timeline of eschatology, God, but we would also be inspired to do what it is you've called us to do between now and the day we go see you face to face. And so God, speak to us now in this time that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty, amen and amen. And so, church, over and over again, there were questions about what the Bible has to say when it comes to end time events. And so we're gonna look at that together as best we can in the time that we have, that we have uh, this morning. And so, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about uh, end time uh, events, right? I mean, you got, you got all sorts of opinions out there. You got everything. You've got everyone speaking to it, uh, ranging everywhere from the, the guy in the street corner with the bullhorn. Anyone met that guy? Come on, you've seen that guy like in, in L.A., like down at 3rd Street Promenade, you know, yelling at everybody. And, and that guy's always, he's always um, got the same message. Like the end of the world is like, it is now. It is happening tonight. And so here's, it's, the approach is kind of interesting. It's like cry or fry, you know, turn or burn. And I don't know, I don't know if that's really God's heart and how to present the gospel. But you got that guy. And then you got Hollywood. And Hollywood's got a lot to say about uh, end time Events and so you got everything. Come on, Hollywood. What are some? What's some of your end time event movies? Everybody, help me out. Come on, give me some. Give me some. Give me some. Give me some. D Day. We got. Yeah, twenty twelve. That's a really interesting one. I'm gonna talk about twenty twelve in a second. But, but like yeah, Book of Eli. You got um, yeah Armageddon. Book uh, Doomsday. Twenty twelve is really interesting. I I am Legend. Another one. Twenty twelve is interesting because that was based on the Mayan calendar. The Mayan calendar actually is a 5,000-year-old calendar, and that calendar 
ended as best we could tell on December 21st, 2012. And so everyone thought that the Mayan calendar was predicting the end of the world. We made a whole movie about it. We showed the movie and the date came and we're still all here. But hey, everybody, we read the Mayan calendar wrong. And it comes to, you know, what, what we didn't see is the Mayan calendar was really pointing to June 21st of 2020. I don't know if you guys remember this, but during, uh, during COVID, when we got to June 21st of 2020, it, it hit uh, you know, Twitter and, and TikTok and everything. Everyone was talking about that day as being the end of the world. Some people still argue that it was the end of the world, um, but we are still here and we are still moving and we have not seen everything play out yet. Does anybody remember, uh, remember the Y2K bug? Come on, 1999, rolling over into, into 2000, for sure the world was going to end. Do you remember? Um, for those of you who was not born yet, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. God bless all of you. All right. Man, I, it's incredible. 99. Uh, so here's what happened for those of you who are not around. Uh, we made these things called computers. And uh, in those computers, we had computer chips. And the computer chips, to save room on them, instead of putting 1975, we just put 75. And so the dates were always 75, 76, and all of this. And when we got to 1999, we, we panicked because we were like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Everything's going to go to zero, zero. All the computers are going to think we're back in the And everything's going to melt and burn. And like in, in your mind, you're, like, you're picturing like, like banks are shutting down and money is like spewing out of all the teller machines and like everything's on fire. There's, there's chips in the middle of an ocean somewhere we can't get to. And if we don't get to them, the whole electric grid's gonna shut down. And, I mean, it was just like end of the world as we know it. We were preparing for it. And so in typical Norman fashion, I don't know if you guys know this, but my family, we're, we're from Oklahoma. We got some oaky blood inside of us. And so come on, we, 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 we party and celebrate in oak, good old oaky fashion. And so to ring in the end of time, we uh, gathered at my, my house. I was living in Newport at the time and had a uh, balcony that overlooked the whole uh, Newport Valley ocean view. We loved it. And my dad uh, got on my amplifier. We turned it all the way up, and he played Jimi Hendrix's version of the Star Spangled Banner as we rang in the end of the world. And uh, we are still here. Um, so... I mean, how all of us had some friends. All of us had friends who went out and bought a lot of grain, you know, bought a lot of grain and getting ready. I had a friend that told us if we started going hungry, it, when it, everything was going crazy in the end of the world, we'd go to our house, and she gave us a password. If we didn't have the password, we would be shot on sight, okay? It was very, very serious uh, going into the end of the world in, in, in the year 2000. But here's, here's what I think we all can agree on is that there's just a growing awareness that things cannot continue the way they are. Like, w this is all going somewhere. We can't just continue to watch uh, moral, moral ethics like decline at the rate that they're declining. We can't continue to watch things get as crazy as they're getting without some kind of reset or some kind of end in sight. Like, things have got to turn around. And I think everyone realizes that. Um, when we, when COVID hit in March of 2020, do you know that the most Googled Google was, is that a thing? The most Googled Google was, uh, is this the end of the world? You know, or what does the Bible have to say about 
And everyone started wondering. And I want you to know that that still happens. When the war in Ukraine broke out, what does the Bible have to say about it? And I think there's just this awareness that there's something going on in the grand scheme. That things can't keep going the way they are. I mean, you watch the same news I watch, Right? I mean, horrific things are happening. We got wars, we got terrorism, we got mass shootings, we got this moral decline that is, that is quickening its pace. I feel like more people are living in fear now than ever before. You know, like, I, 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 you can feel it on people. There's just this sense of fear. Now, I am not a doom and gloom guy. I think that in the middle of all the darkness, the church is called to shine brighter than ever before. Amen? Like, we are called to shine brighter than ever before. But the reality is that there is just this kind of Oh my goodness, what is happening? Everybody's asking the question. Matter of fact, a, uh, a CNN Time Magazine poll said one of three Americans connect today's current events to uh, end time events of the Bible. Isn't that interesting? So like a whole lot of people who don't even believe in God or believe in what the Bible has to say are like, well, I don't really believe that book, but all this has got to be in there somewhere, I'm sure, right? Really interesting. Here's what you need to know biblically when you look at all of it. Spoiler alert. Ready? God wins. All right? Come on, everybody. Amen? Like, God wins. So here's what that means for you. I'll say it this way. God gets the last word. And yes, everything we are watching, there is a divine clock, a a heavenly timeline in which everything is moving as according to God's plan. And God, my friends, gets the last word. God is surprised by nothing. God um, is in over it all. And what that means for you today, here's, listen, I just want to preach a little point to you. Like, like, listen, God gets the last word, not just in all things in times, God gets the last word in all things your life. So you might look and say that the doctor's report gets the last word. Friend, I'm telling you, God gets the last word. You think like, oh, my money gets the last word, and oh, this gets the last word, and the stress and the strain in my life gets the last word. No, I am telling you, listen to me, friend. God is God. He is above it all. He is over it all. And he always gets the last word. Amen. You, my friend, are anchored into heaven. There is a day coming for you believer, where old things will pass away, all things will become new, not just in uh, a renewed spirit, and I'm forgiven, but renewed life. You will have a new body, everybody, someday in heaven. The Bible says that that um, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more illness, there will be no more death. That day is coming for every single one of us. God gets the last word. Can I get a better amen? amen? Amen. So, God wins. He gets the last word. I want to talk to you about some things um, we do know, and then I want to talk to you about what we don't know. This is what the rest of our time together. Here's what we do know. Here's what we don't know. And then what do we do with the things we do and don't know? Okay? Deal? So what do we know when it comes to end times events? What we do know, everybody, is that Jesus is coming back in what's called the second coming of Christ. Okay? We do know he's coming back. That's good news. Amen? All right. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will, someone say, come again? Come again. I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, 
you may be also. I believe at the center of eschatology, the center of end time events, you need to understand what I believe is the most important or one of the primary um, events of end times is that Jesus is coming again. It's the second coming of Christ, okay? There are prophecies in Scripture that point to the second coming of Christ found all throughout um, the Bible from beginning to end. The Bible is filled with prophecy concerning many things. But what I need you to know is that most of the prophecies given to us in Scripture have already come to pass. So if you take the 100% bulk share of prophetic word in, in, Bible, in the Bible, 85% of it has already come to pass. It's already happened. There's 15%, just 15% that still needs to come to pass. Now, here's what I want you to think about. If 85% of biblical prophecy has already come to pass with 100% accuracy, what do you think is going to happen with the 15% that still needs to come to pass? The 15% that talks about Christ's second coming. Listen, in that 85%, there's a whole lot of talk about the Messiah coming, that Jesus, about Jesus' first coming. And you need to understand that at some point, there was a whole lot of Christians gathered together like this, and a whole lot of uh, Jewish believers were gathered together there, reading through Scripture, talking about this, and looking at these prophecies about a soon-coming Messiah, okay? And they would read those things and go, are you kidding me? Is this really going to happen? And oh my goodness, and there was all these details about this, this uh, Messiah coming at that specific time that was spoken of in the book of Daniel. If you want to look at the, uh, the, the, the weeks of Daniel and the prof uh, prophesying the actual day that Jesus would ride in to Jerusalem on, a, on, a, on the donkey, there's, there's a prophetic word about how Jesus would die with nail-pierced hands. And they would sit around reading these things that had not yet happened, looking for them to happen because Scripture spoke of them happening and all of those things have already come to pass. We have hindsight, and we look back and go, look what happened. Now, when I talk to you about what I'm going to talk to you about, it's the 15%. Do you get that? And that 15%, I'm telling you, is going to happen with, I have 100% certainty. Why? Because... The 85% happened with 100% accuracy. This is going to happen with 100% certainty, okay? So this isn't just like, well, I wonder if this is ever going to happen. No, this will happen. And the first thing you need to understand is that, like Jesus told his disciples, he is coming again. And that's the primary centerpiece of, of uh, biblical eschatology. One out of every 30 verses in the Bible speak to end-time events. 216 chapters in the New Testament speak to end-time events. Over 300 references in the New Testament alone speak to end-time events. And 23 of the 27 New Testament books speak to end-time events. So what are the events that will take place in the end times? All right. What we do know is that there's going to be what's called the rapture of the church. Anyone ever heard of that? Let me see you go under your hand. Who's not, right? And some of you watch a little Left Behind series. Remember that? Anyone remember Left Behind series? Like, like a whole lot of people were freaked out in a really good way. 
I met a true story. Tatum came downstairs after hearing a whole lot about, whole lot about the rapture of the church, watching the, the, uh, that series, and her parents were gone, and she, she, thought she, was, she thought they were raptured, and she was left alone. She gave her life to Jesus all over again, everybody. Come on, amen. Like, like the true story, true story. But there is what's called the rapture of the church. This is where the church, the, the believers who have given their life to Jesus, will be caught up with the Lord to be with him forever. And I'm just going to give you references because I want you to go study. Write down 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You need to read there. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You need to read there. This is where the Bible talks about us being caught up with the Lord in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Okay? There is also in in Revelation and all throughout Scripture, what's known as the tribulation period. The tribulation period is a seven-year period in which God will, during part of that tribulation period, pour out his wrath on a God-rejecting humanity. That will happen. There is also in Scripture what we... Well, let me talk about that really quick. So you have God pouring out his wrath on a God-rejecting humanity. One of the questions that's often asked is, well, where's the rapture of the church take place, right? If you have a timeline up here, is, is the rapture of the church, the, the church going to meet with God and being with him forever, is that before the tribulation, because the tribulation is going to happen, mark God's words, it will happen. So is the rapture of the church before? They call that pre-tribulation. Is it after? Post-tribulation. And then there's also, some say it's somewhere during the uh, during the tribulation period, and they call that they call that mid-trib is usually what some call it. Others call it, others call it pan theology. Is this all going to pan out? Pan trib is going to all pan out. I don't know. We'll, we'll see it happen when it happens. Now here's what I want you to understand: in issues like that, um, you could go to the same church and have a different perspective on, or a different um, kind of come to a different conclusion as to when that that will happen. Um, I'll let you know that for me personally, I believe in what's called a, a pre, pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I believe that the next event, and I'll share with you a little bit more before we're done, the next event on the timeline of biblical prophecy is actually the rapture of the church. I believe that all things that need to happen biblically in that 85% that has already happened, that's everything that needs to happen before the next domino falls, which I believe is, is the rapture of the church. There's a whole lot of people that are, and by the way, if you want me just to throw in a little bit of why I believe that, I, the, the, the tribulation period is a period where God will pour out his wrath through these different bold judgments spoken of in Revelation, uh, pour out his wrath on the world. Well, friends, the, the God's wrath toward your sin was poured out on Jesus. And I don't believe there's going to be a double jeopardy that God has poured his, uh, his wrath toward our sins on Jesus, and now we're going to get a double dose of that. I just don't believe that would be the case. You could actually even look at, uh, you know, back at, like, how God preserved um, Noah in the flood, right? God was, was, was starting over, so to speak. And that's actually a, a small glimpse of what we're going to see happen once again. And in that, Noah was spared. And I think it's a picture of the church. And there's a lot of people, maybe even you in here right now are arguing with me. Well, there's this and there's that. I get you. But let's just all agree, they're going to be a rapture of the church. Amen? And then there's also this uh, tribulation. There's a lot of people who talk about the Antichrist. We know that there will be, mark, mark God's words, there will be a world leader that will come onto the scenes that will lead, a lot of people don't understand this, but will first lead 
Israel and all those issues that we got in the Middle East will lead a lead charge in bringing about a, a peace agreement or a peace treaty that will last for three and a half years. So when we think Antichrist, everyone's like, oh, you're going to know who he is. He's going to show up. I think he got little horns and like, a, like, you know what I mean? Like he's just like going to be strange and you know, talk like, listen, the Antichrist actually be a very well-respected world leader. And he will um, lead the children of Israel, lead Israel to a place of peace. The tribulation period, in your mind, you need to break it up into seven years. There's three and a half years of peace, and then there's three and a half years of everything else you read about in Revelation, where God is pouring out the, the different judgments upon, upon the world. In those three and a half years of peace, that Antichrist, that world leader, will have found a way to bring peace to the Middle East. Come on, that, you're wondering, listen everybody, you're always wondering why when you turn on your news, oh, something else in Israel again, oh, something else with this, or something else with that. You know why that is? Because that's what the Bible said would be happening. That there would always be turmoil around the Middle East and always turmoil around, what, around Jerusalem and the dome of the mosque and, and the temple court and there's all these religious wars being fought over who owns what property and where do we put this and that's on ours and yours, all that. Well, this world leader will show up and find a way to bring peace to that region for three and a half years. We do believe, I believe he'll be of Jewish descent because the Jews are going to think, remember, they're still looking for their Messiah. There are Messianic Jews who see Jesus as their Messiah, but there's a lot who are still looking for the Messiah. They will believe this is the one that scripture spoke about to bring peace. But three and a half years in, he from as far as we can tell, he goes in, the book of Revelation talks about what's called the um, abomination, a desecration, where he goes into the temple and, and does something where the Jews are like, my goodness, this is not our guy. Tells us in scripture that they're going to run, they run to the rock city of, of Petra. Um, how many, any, anyone ever been to, like Jordan, you ever been to these, Petra, anyone? Come on, it's just the coolest thing. It's already set, there's like people putting food there and everything for this, but those events will all take place. It'll all lead up to what's called, and a lot of you guys know this reference, what's called the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon will take place in the Valley of Megiddo. And uh, if you've stood there and you've looked at this valley, these, the, the Jewish army and the, 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 those that are backing the Jews and those that are with the world leader at that time, the Antichrist, will converge there. And it tells us that in that moment, everything is going to change. Because in that moment, it tells us that Jesus will return a physical return of Jesus, a genuine return of Jesus, literal and physical return of Jesus that will end that war and establish a new heaven and a new earth. Can I get a better amen, everyone? Amen? Amen. So that's what we know. These things will take place. Here's what we don't know, everybody. Ready? When? Sorry, I know. You were like, he going to tell us when it's going to happen? No, we don't know when. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus says. In, in Matthew chapter 24, it tells us that Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately and said, Jesus, because he's talking about end time events. They, Jesus, they said, tell us, like, when will this happen? And, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Isn't that great? They get, they get along with Jesus. And go, hey, you're talking about all this. Like, when's it going to Come on, Jesus, tell us. Tell us. Like, when's it going to happen? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, but about the day or the hour, no one knows. No one, guys, listen, no one knows. No one, the, the guy in the street corner that's holding the sign that's got the date, 
He wrong. Why? Because the Bible says no one knows. It says this, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Here's what you tell that guy. Hey, bud, listen, God hadn't even told the angels. I don't think he told, I'm confident he didn't tell you. Someone's like, it's the Mayan calendar, and it's that, you know, December 2012. Not the day. Why? Because no one knows. No one knows. The Bible says you can know the season, you can know the time, but you cannot know the very, the very hour. So are we living in the last days? He hasn't told the angels. We don't know the exact time. Personally, as best I can tell, I think we are living in the season of the last days. Jesus said you can't know the day or the hour, but you can know the season. And I believe, and I'll give you reference, I really do believe we are living in the last, in the season of the last days. I know what you're thinking. Every generation has said that. Everyone says, I actually think that's God's design. He wants you living like you're living in the last days. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 44 says, so you also must be what? Ready. Hey, here's what you need to be, ready. You gotta be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't even expect. So all of you who were like, every generation said that. <laughs> the Bible actually says, when you don't expect it, because you're walking around, I don't expect it. It's like, that's when you're gonna come. So you keep saying that all you want. But God wants us living. Someone say ready. Ready. He says, be ready. What I do know for sure, hey, is we're closer than any generation before. Amen? Like we are closer than the, than the last generation that thought they were really close. And I actually believe that we have seen more happen in our time that they had not yet seen. And what, what I mean by that is that there are, there have been some, some, some prophecies that needed to fall into place before we could see end times events actually uh, that domino fall. Uh, for example, let me give you one. Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 tells us this, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. So scripture says, you before the end comes, the gospel is going to be preached to all the nations. The word nations there is not physical boundaries. We have 120 plus, a little bit more, nations in the world. The, world, the word nation there means people groups. And we actually have over 12,000 different people groups. And I want you to know that we are the first generation of believers that can say the gospel is being preached to every single people group because we are the first generation within the last 50, 60 years that has been able to, through technology, identify new, guys, can you believe this, new people groups that we had not even discovered before because digitally now we can see the map. And believers have used that technology to identify new people groups and we've sent missionaries to those people groups to preach the gospel to them and we can say, we're the first generation that could say it, that we have preached the gospel now to every Every people group, every nation. Come on, somebody, amen. Like, we are living in that. Like, before people would read that, and they would, there's just no way to even know. But we actually see the globe. We see the people groups. And we become very, very um, intentional about getting the gospel to them. I want you to know as a church, part of what we do is we actually give toward seeing the Bible translated 
into the language of these new people groups. We, we, we move through translating part portions of John and everything else. And part of what we do as a church is help to get the gospel into those people groups. But we're doing that now for the very first time. Well, hey, everybody, pay attention because Jesus said, once that happens, then the end will come. And we are living in those moments. You could also look, 2 Timothy gives us some other signs. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Are we living in the last days? Well, every now people group, every nation has heard the gospel. And let's look at 2 Timothy. Let's see what it says. It says, but mark this. There will also be terrible times in the last days. How you doing, everybody? There'll be terrible times in the last days. Tell me a, bit, a little bit more about it. Well, people are going to be lovers of themselves. Nah, let's just do a little checkbox. Okay, ready? People will be lovers of themselves. Check. Yeah, like, come on. Uh, lovers of money? Nah, that's not a thing. For sure. Listen, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents. And what, what Scripture's talking about, there's going to be a day. Like, people used to say, like, there's no way. But there will be a day where a generation will have a really hard time submitting to authority in the next genera- of, of, a, of an older generation. And I'm telling you, friends, it's where we're at. Ungrateful? Come on. Unholy? What it goes on to say? Without love. And we could, we could expand on all these. We don't got the time. I'm just giving you everything. Unforgiving? I'm going to talk on that real quick. Look, you're in a generation right now that's one of the most unforgiving generations. I'm going to cancel you. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to cancel you for canceling me. Right? That was wrong canceling everybody. No one knows how to just be merciful. We are the most merciless generation that we've ever seen, the world's ever seen. We're just, we're just angry. I was waiting to just have, do something wrong so I can rip you a new one. Everybody just wants that. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And scripture says when you see all those things, you got to know, hey, you're, you're close. You're in the last days. So what do we know? Jesus is coming back. And with him, there's a whole lot of events that will be taking place around that time. What do we not know? When is it going to happen? The exact day. I would say we are living in the season. So what do we do? What do we do? That's how we want to close. You got to seize the day, everybody. You got to seize the day. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 says, From the tribe of Ishkar, there was 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. You need to understand the signs of the times that we live in, and we need to take the best course for our lives in the time that is, God has given us. Church, look at me. It is, a, it is a privilege and an honor to be the church in this time. Like, I believe that God has entrusted us with this time. You are here not by accident. You live where you live, not by accident. You were born for such a time as this. You work where you work for such a time as this. And I believe that now we are carrying the torch into these last days, and God has asked us to do it. We get to do it. We are the ones that everyone was looking forward to and reading about. When they would read these things, they'd say, oh, someday the gospel is going to get preached to every nation. How in the world is that going to happen? We are living in it. We, the church. And so we have to, church, seize the day, seize the moments that God has given us. How do we do it? As the worship team comes up, let me give you a couple quick things. First of all, write these down. 
You gotta fix your eyes on home. Fix your eyes on home. Some of us are so distracted by this world, so distracted by everything happening around you, and I wanna tell you, you need to start getting heavenly minded. This earth is not your home. First Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, what do you do? Be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. What does prayer do? It lifts your thought it's heavenward. It puts your mind on heaven. People will say, oh, you get so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. I just don't believe that for one second. I think the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you are. Amen? And so scripture says, you need to get heavenly minded. Put your eyes on home. Don't settle into this. Don't get all rested up into what's happening on this planet. This is not your home. Jesus is coming soon. The end times are going to trigger at any moment, and we need to be using every moment we have right now to not just put our mind on heaven, but to start pointing others to heaven. Second thing is this, you gotta love on some people. First Peter chapter four, verse eight, nine says, above all, it's all in the context of end times, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Hospitality to another without grumbling. In the end times, don't fall into the trap of canceling you because you're canceling me and I'm not gonna be merciful. In the end times, don't get all caught up in petty arguments about dumb things that cause division. He says, listen, just have a whole lot of grace and love for one another because you need each other right now in these moments more than ever as we walk into and toward everything that the Bible's been talking about for thousands of years. Third, make a difference make a difference. We have a closing window of opportunity to reach the people God has put around us. What we need to be focused on is taking the gifts that God has given us and using them to reach the people God's put around us. So you got a gift of leadership, lead and point people to Jesus. Don't allow one ounce of the gift that God has given you to be used to point people in any other direction but toward Jesus, okay, amen? Like God has entrusted you right now with, he's entrusted you with some influence and you need to use that right now because you got some people around, you got some young men around, you, young, young women around, you got some couples around you that man, they just need to be pointed to Jesus. We, we don't know when that window's gonna close but we didn't know it will. Matter of fact, a lot of people always say, well, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Well, why, why doesn't Jesus just come back right now? Like, come on, let's, our hearts are crying out, come Lord Jesus, the Bible says that. But the reason it's taking so long is the Bible says that, that God wants to leave his, his door open, the window open as long as possible so he can see as many as will come to saving faith. So God's just gonna, he's trying to give us time to see even more come to know, come to know Jesus. And so we need to take that serious and see, see our gift be used for his glory. Amen? And the last thing is this, you need to grow. You just grow, it tells us, in grace and knowledge of God. And we read you, read you one more verse. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction 
of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. That's that day when Jesus returns at the valley of Megiddo at Armageddon. He says, everything's gonna be, gonna be done. He's gonna end it all. Give us a new heaven and a new earth. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is gonna dwell. And so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. There's some of you in here today who are not yet at peace with God. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity today before you leave to do exactly what scripture says you need to do in the last days. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. That's why he's doing it. He wants, he's being patient because he wants more people saved. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow, he says. Someone say grow, but what? Grow. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Someone say amen. Amen. Grow in grace grow in knowledge. Grow in grace, grow in knowledge. You need grace on your life right now. You know, I think one of the enemy's greatest tactics is he gets you to beat yourself up. He distracts you with you. Listen to me. Some of you are so distracted with you. Well, I'm not this and I'm not doing that. And, and if I, and you're so distracted with you, you're actually missing the opportunities that God's put around you. You're missing the good things that God wants to do through you because you're so distracted with all the, you know, things that aren't going maybe the way they should in your life. Here's what I want to tell you. Look at me, everybody. The Bible says in the last days, you just got to have a lot of grace on yourself. Mommy, listen to me. Have some grace on yourself. Married, you guys need to have some grace on each other. Amen? Stop getting so distracted about all those things and realize we don't got a lot of time left. We don't. Have some grace on yourself. And just do what God's given you to do with all you got. Try your best. Grow in that grace. And just get to know Jesus more every day. Grow in the knowledge of him. In Jesus' name. Amen, church. Would you pray with me?